Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everyone. And yes, we happen to be 30 minutes past the hour. For whatever reason, Lord knows, you know, you, you, technology just gets crazy. Uh, and I could have waited. I could have said, oh, we'll just wait until tomorrow and start and change. But no way. We rescheduled, got everything back up the way it needs to be done. And I'm excited because weird, because normal isn't working by Craig Rochelle. He is the founding pastor of Life Church at Oklahoma City, Tulsa. I don't remember which, I'll be honest. Uh, but this is powerful because the more I look, the more I see my own life, the more I look around at friends, the more I, I see everything that's happening and going on, I've started to realize that in most people's lives, normal isn't getting us anywhere. So when I picked up this book and all the accompanying material, when I went over and I, I watched his teaching on this, it kind of confirmed something in my heart, and that was, I need to make some changes. This is the time of year when I start to reflect the the past few months, and I start to focus forward into the new year, something I do after every catalyst. And this was just a good good time. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be covering some very specific areas of our lives. We're going to be covering how we how we invest or spend our time our money, our relationships, sex, values. Maybe not all of this will pertain to you. But I think that as you start to look through here and as you start to see where you're at or where you're not at, that it will start to make a lot more sense. Today, Killing Time is the name of the first chapter. And Craig starts this off with one little sentence. When you kill time, remember there is no resurrection. So many times we use the word spend, how we spend our time, what we're spending our time on. And it's like, man, this kind of sucks when you think about it. Because we, we, we spend so much time and we don't get out of it what we should. That it makes you wonder what's going on. He starts this chapter off with an interesting story, and I can relate to this. He says, just before Christmas, my whole family piled into our our kid moving vehicle and rushed to the nearest mall to grab the last minute Christmas presents before dashing off to a holiday party. And as usual, we were running a little bit late and I was slightly on edge. And entering the mall's parking lot, I became overwhelmed by the traffic. Cars crawled bumper to bumper, inching along a million like million ants trapped in a puddle of honey. Instantly I prayed for one of those one of those selfish God prayers, God, please give me the parking spot, like nobody else is probably praying that. Out of the corner of my eye, this is the great part, out of the corner of my eye, I spot an old pickup truck near the mall entrance, leaving its space. Oh, God is good. I punched the accelerator and sped toward my answer prayer, hoping to gain a few precious seconds. I immediately staked my spot with an eye lock. There's no accident that when I look at a spot, or any man looks at a spot, that everybody else knows that's his. So I kept looking, waiting for him to, to back out. All of a sudden, the unbelievable takes place. As the truck leaves, a red sports car whips in in front of me. Frustrated, 
beyond words. Oh, I can imagine his words. <laughs> With the pressure mounting, I slammed up in neutral and revved my motor, but the guy didn't move. So I slammed it in drive and sped towards the back of his red sports car with Amy glaring at me. I can just see Paige doing this. I locked it up right before I hit it. I was thinking, what are you doing? You idiot, I had the eye lock on it. But after rejoining the ants, I found another spot 20 minutes later, and finally we get in there. And lo and behold, we're rushing through, we're buying stuff, and in the last store, bam, I come eye to eye with the guy that was driving the red sports car images of my in my mind of a headline local pastor assaults man in parking spot <laughs> but he goes the man looked at me and said i could tell you were in a hurry he said as my blood pressure continued to rise it appears that you have more going on in your life than you can handle my wife gave me that look of remember you're a pastor and better behave so I just kind of stood there, and the man looked at me and said, I'd like to tell you about someone who can really help. His name is Jesus. Now, it's a humorous story, but how many of us can relate that we're so busy, we're, we're running so tight in the schedule, we're so on edge, that any little bitty thing can set us off? Craig puts it this way. He says, we live in a time-starved society that relentlessly pushes us to the limit. And not just at the holidays, but more and more. We have, we have the, the images of buy more, do more, accomplish more, conquer more, rush, rush, hurry, hurry. Is it, sound, is it starting to sound normal? You know, we got a family with, with six kids, and, and now we actually have still six kids at home. We have we're, our two teenage daughters, our eight-year-old son, and three grandbabies. It seems like time is even more precious than we were just raising the boys and the girls. And as I look around town at other couples in our same spot, it's crazy. Even on our time off, it seems to be crammed with activities. We've got the kids' soccer, the, the youth group. We've got music lessons. We've got church. We've got all this other stuff that's going on. When do you have time for yourself? When do you have time for each other? I mean... Think about it. Dinner now is drive through, grab the Happy Meal, and and head off down to soccer practice, or head off down to the next meeting, or or whatever. It's crazy. Yesterday, the day of the Sabbath. I don't know what that is anymore. But here's what I ended up doing, and it was beautiful. It was actually relaxing. Got up early, went to church, helped set up like I always do. Came home and started rearranging the house for Christmas. I love this. I'm, I'm, I'm weird. I like to start Christmas November 1st, right after Halloween. And I like to run it for two great months of just nothing but enjoyment. So we're moving the TVs around. We're moving everything around. And I'm pretty whooped when I get done. Paige went out and bought a, a, a smaller entertainment center for the TV to get rid of the big old clunky one from the 90s. And I'm sitting here, and, and I'm whooped, and I go out to get a little bit of caught-up done. I wanted to, to study some more on my marriage, and she said, Hey, the girls are just going nuts. I'm going to take them to the park. I said, Hey, you want me to tag along? And she says, No, you don't have to. I know you're tired. You worked all day. Thank you. I said, No, seriously. So we took the little girls to the park and had a heyday. 
They played in a nice fenced-in area, which is wonderful. And Paige and I got some quiet time just to chat, just to talk. It's the first quiet alone time I think we've had in a couple, three weeks. Time flies by and we wonder what's going on. We think it's crazy. Matter of fact, Craig writes this. He says, for many of us, the schedules we impose on our children end up consuming us. If someone asked, are you really enjoying your life, most of us would say no, and I don't have time to talk about it. And we'd rush off to something else. He says, most of us are living at a pace that is not only sustainable, it's probably unbiblical, and I'll go a step further and say it's unhealthy. Now, because I'm starting to change up my training, you're going to hear a lot more scripture verses than you probably usually will because I'm going to use some different books. And this is great, what, what Craig says here. He says, God has given you everything you need to accomplish all that he wants you to do, including enough time. He says, we don't need much time. We need to use the time we already have differently. You have time for what you choose to invest your time in. And I thought, man, that is great. He goes on, he says, every day most of us say, I don't have the time to work out, to read the Bible, go to church, don't have time for my wife, my, my spouse, don't have time for sex, don't have time to eat, etc., etc. But the truth is, we find time for what's important to us. So here's your first nugget of wisdom to take away. He says, the next time you catch yourself about to say, I don't have time for something, tell yourself the truth. Either it's not a priority or you're guarding your time for a better reason, or you simply aren't willing to choose to spend your time on whatever it is. I thought that was great. See, so many times we make excuses and we don't even catch ourselves. We're not honest with ourselves. It's not that we don't have time to make love to our spouse. We just flat don't want to because something else has taken the priority. We don't have time for intimate conversation, not because we're so busy doing something else, but because we just don't give a rip. We don't have time for the kids, not because work is any more. You're not making any money by working any harder. It's just you just don't want to do it. See, it could go on and on. I could take it a step further. You don't have time to make those prospecting calls, not because you don't have time, but because you probably just don't want the rejection. See, there's always something. And if we'll start being honest with ourselves about our time. See, I think we've been raised with a myth. And I think that myth is the busier we are, the more productive we are, the more successful we feel, and people look at us with respect. But yet I don't see that happening. I hear all the time about big CEOs that are running Fortune 100 companies on the golf course, at the boat races. On vacation, skiing in Aspen. Think about this for a second. If they run successful businesses, why do they have time to be doing all this fun stuff when you're just running an everyday mom-and-pop shop and you seem to be killing yourself? I get women. I, I love this because I get to take my little girls out on, on Mondays or, I mean, on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I usually end up at the park, and I'm the only guy or maybe one or two other dads that show up that are self-employed like I am, and but I get to hang out with a bunch of women, and they're hilarious. 
because you listen to them and they're busy, 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 constantly talking about all the busyness. And I'm thinking, man, how in the world do they get all this stuff done? And then I start to thinking about everything they're talking about has nothing to do with their family except for this little time when they get together up here at the park. And then I started reading Craig's book and realized, man, this is so true for all of us. Craig writes this. I thought it was pretty powerful. He says, I'm convinced normal people miss the majority of God's blessings because they're too busy to notice them. Now think about this. The majority of people believe in God, so think about this for a second. You're so busy that you miss the blessings in your life. How many times have you said, I've got to get this, I've got to succeed, I've got to move up in life, I've got to do it, and, and then one day you turn around and you look and you say, man, I've come a long ways from where I was, but you hadn't been taking time to realize it. See, it's crazy, but that's what happens. There's a story in the Bible, and Craig uses it as an illustration. It's about two sisters, Mary and Martha. And I thought it was very unique that he, he brought this story up, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to bore you with all the details. I know, I know that you know some people. Oh man, the Bible again. But li- but listen a second. In this little situation right here, basically, what took place, and I thought this was so cool, is that Jesus decides to go hang out with two sisters. They're friends of the family. So he he sends ahead and he says, "Hey, I'm going to come hang out with you guys. Going to check out and see what's happening." And the older sister, Martha, freaks out. She reminds me of my mom. Oh, my gosh, got to get the house cleaned up. We've got to have everything in order. Let me get the, 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 the cookies of God to get on. We've got to start baking it. My mom used to do that. We were going to have company. And, and it was it's hereditary, I've decided, with some women. Because when we'd go to Grandma's, Granny would, I mean, we'd have a feast fit for a king. It made Golden Corral look like it was something, you know, in a soup kitchen. So this is something that just passed down from daughter to daughter to daughter, I think. But here's Martha running around going like crazy. Jesus shows up, but she's still busy. Mary's a little slower than she is, whatever, didn't get it done. And as soon as Jesus shows up at the house, Mary just idolizes Jesus. So she jumps on, man, I got his undivided attention. The crowds aren't thronging around him right now. I can just hang out with him. And she sets down and seizes the moment to hang out with Jesus. Now, you know you got 12 disciples showing up. You know that eventually a bunch of other people are going to hang out and show up. Probably some of the big hot shots in the city are going to show up because, I mean, this is Jesus. Martha's going nuts. Can you just picture uh, picture those old shows we used to watch where the, where the little gals are running around. they got the little rap. I think it's like Aunt Jemima, you know, sweat's pouring off. They're busting their butt. And finally... She can't take it anymore. She's going nuts. And she says, Jesus, can you get Mary to help me? This is important. You're at our house. See, in the busyness of of making sure that everything was status quo, was normal, she thought Mary was weird because she was doing what was important, was hanging out with Jesus. Martha, on the other hand, wanted Jesus' experience to be so rocking that she was missing the opportunity. Do you realize, here's what would have happened if it was in my house. By the time the guests were all gone and we'd all sat down, and, and, and this is how we usually do it, Mom would get a little cup of coffee, tea, or, or hot chocolate, and we'd sit down at the table. 
She'd have this big smile of satisfaction on her face, but then she'd say, boy, I sure don't feel like I spent much time with anybody. I think that's what would have happened with Martha. As I studied this story, Craig used something in here that penetrated my heart. He said, if you're like me, it takes a few reminders to get you focused. He said, just last night I was sitting in my home office replying to emails when my youngest daughter, Joy, bounced in to see me with her hair, her long hair pulled up in pigtails and her mouth smudged with Oreo crumbs. She said, Daddy, can we play a game? Now listen to what happens. Craig says, lost in my work, I mumbled the busy parent's creed. In a minute, honey, I'm doing something important. Let me finish my work. We'll see maybe later. Something was more important than his time with Joy. So like my little Lena, Joy, without missing a beat, blurts out, Daddy, look at me and never forget this. I'm only going to be six once, and you don't want to miss it. That's better than some jock shock on TV. All of a sudden, she got Craig's attention. All of a sudden, he realized, man, she has got a great point. If you follow me on Facebook, you know yesterday or Saturday night, I think it was, I put on Facebook. Living an epic adventure, hanging out with Lena, watching Justin Bieber. I've watched more Justin Bieber in the last 24 hours you can shake a stick at. Justin's a crazy little kid that my little three-year-old granddaughter just fell in love with. i got to figure out a way to get him to come visit her, I guess. But see, it's tempting to let these moments flash by because we've been taught, especially as men, you got to support the family. you got to work, 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 work. you got to be busy, 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 busy. And although I know that that's not true, I still fall into that same gap, and I think so many other people do. It cracks me up with my with my network marketing friends because we, we, we shoot ourselves in the foot. We're the most unlogical, illogical, I guess would be the way to say that, people in business because we like to, to, to tap this story. Get into business for yourself. Join us in network marketing. Let us show you how you can invest more time with your family, have an enjoyable life, go on these exotic trips, do all this stuff. I don't know how in the world they have time to do all that. Because in the very next breath, once you've signed on the dotted line, here's what you hear. Man, you've got to make calls all the time. You've got to see people, talk to everybody. Don't, don't let up. Man, don't let up to that next promotion. Go, 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 go. Do the parties. Do the tastings. Come on, sell the product. Do the online system. Do, by the time you're done, you're so freaking tired. You're thinking, what in the Sam Hill am I doing? And I and I, I ponder this stuff. I'm probably the worst network marketer in the world. I've been successful, but I mean, I analyze this stuff because I think, man, this is this is normal and normal isn't working. Why is it that we got all these people saying, Do like I do, follow my example, and yet the next breath I hear the same people saying, you know, there's a ninety five percent failure rate in network marketing, then why am I following you? Then I get this book like Craig writes, and I think, man, this is so powerful right here. 
weird needs to be our normal. See, most of us are convinced that the way we're already living it absolutely necessary and it's the way it is, but that's culture telling us that. And we listen to what happens and culture's failing. So we've got to change. And this is our opportunity to change. It's funny because one of the verses he brings up is Matthew seven thirteen, and, and I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. It says, the highway to hell is broad, the gate is wide, and many choose to go that way. And I sat there and I thought, man, that's kind of how I feel sometimes. Is that, Man, I'm in hell on earth. I'm sitting here cranking it out, doing what I'm said I'm supposed to do, and I don't seem to be getting ahead. The funny thing is, I was reading another book this weekend, and it had another powerful verse. And men, you need to listen up on this one. Because it said, treat your wife with honor and with love, so that your prayers won't be hindered. When I start mixing some of these verses together, I start realizing, man, I got a long ways to go still. I got to crank it out just a little bit further. I got to keep keep moving in the right direction. And I've decided if I will keep moving in the right direction, if I start acting a little weird and doing things different, if I can start leading people in a little weirder way so that they start seeing personal success instead of seeing group failure then I'll be able to crank it out. I'll be able to make it happen. I'll be able to move forward. See, that's what I want to do. I don't want to have to look back and and see my kids fail, see my wife and my marriage separate, fall apart, diminish. See, the second part of the verse is that the way to heaven is narrow and few get through the gate. And although the verse means something completely different than kind of what I'm talking about today, I think it's the same thing. Those that succeed in life go through a different path than the majority. When people are running to companies that with momentum, thinking they're going to win, I believe they're on the road to failure. So you don't want to follow the crowd. My mom used to tell me that's kind of ironic, isn't it? 47 years old, and I'm finally listening to what she has to say. See, what you have to do is you've got to look at what's right for you, and it's probably going to be a narrower path. See, we can't conform. This is another verse. Another Romans 12, 2 actually says, Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and taking that verse and using it in, a, in, a, in just a business context, if everybody's failing doing the same thing, then dadgummit, do something different. Think outside the box. Don't live in the status quo. Stop. Just learn to say no. Matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this a step further. Craig talks about this. This is what I love about this book. How many of you have a to-do list? And you've heard me train on this. Make, make a list of three to five things that you need to get done today. Let's take this a step further. And today, when this book is over, or not book, when the show's over, I want you to sit down a minute, and I want you to do something for me. I want you to make a do-not-do list. I want you to put two to three things on that list that you don't have to do anymore. Take them off your list. They're not productive. See, you need to start 
eliminating things in your life, not adding to things in your life. We need to get rid of the busyness in our life and slow down. Listen to what Craig writes. He says, so many people believe that God won't give us more than we can handle. See, the problem is, God will always give you more than you can handle. See, these are the myths in life that if you don't sit down and analyze them, you don't even realize that they are. Because I've heard this all of my life. God won't give you more you can handle. You just keep cranking, Troy. Bullcrap. Show me where that's in the Bible. See, here's what happens. God will always allow you to go through more than you can handle, so you have to turn to him. Now, some of you that don't believe in God, I'm cool with that. Listen, if you if you have so much going on in your life that you feel overwhelmed and you're going to your shrink, then this verse actually is true, and that's part of the problem. This kind of crap's got to stop. We've got to slow down. If you're a Christian and you feel overwhelmed, then I'm going to tell you right now, you've got way too much crap in your life. And you're going to have to turn to God. See, somebody that calls himself an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, I've realized this. When I get all pissy in a bad mood because my wife and I haven't made love in four months, we haven't spent any quality time walking on the beach in three months, we haven't had a date out in two months, I haven't felt like I've, I've given her a hug in a month, whose fault's that? Mine. Because I've been so blasted busy that I didn't make her my first priority. When I come home and the kids call me Uncle Daddy, whose fault is that? Mine. It's not because God gave me too much stuff. It's because I've accepted too much stuff, and instead of going to Him, I just keep piling on trying to figure out more stuff to do. It's time that I get to lighten that load, and then I can go to God and say, Hey, you know, here's what your purpose was in my life. I know this is what you've told me I need to do, so i got to get off my butt and go do it. Instead of saying, i got to do this, and i got to do this, and i got to do this, and i got to do this, we all need to go back to that old schoolhouse rock conjunction function that Craig talks about and realize what the, what the function is. And we need to stop saying and, and, and to ourselves, to our kids, to our spouse. Here's what we need to do. I need to go to soccer or go to youth group. I need to go to the movie or I need to go to the youth group. We need to use the or word and we need to start eliminating stuff in our life. And that's where we need to start keeping a to-don't-do list. Craig says this. He said, I'd like to challenge you to stop reading and start your don't list. Maybe you should do something weird and write down at least three activities in your life that you're going to drop. Put something down and let it go. It's time to get in the weird standard time. He says, the first thing we want you to do, this is great, man. He says, first, we'll look at practicing the power of being present. I just got back from Catalyst. This is why this book's in my hands. And although it sounds cool and it sounds, you know, like it's a big Zen thing, here's the kicker. 
if you start being present and you look at things that you can simply eliminate, you look at what you really need to focus on in order to reach your purpose, to fulfill your mission, to get that next promotion, to to be a better spouse, to be a better mom, father, whatever the case is. If you're a Christian, by being present, you're going to start getting a really good fundamental awareness that God's working in your life. The second area is one that you're going to be practicing weekly. I don't care what day it is. I don't care if you've never done this in the past. You're going to start taking a Sabbath. Yes, that's one of those churchy words. Okay? But it's a command. If you're a Christian, it's a command in the Bible to take a day of rest. I'm telling you that every other country but the United States has a day of rest. I don't care if you go to church or not. You've got to take a time and say, I'm done. I'm not going to do anything but chill out and have fun. It's not about observing, oh, this is what everybody else does. No, this is about you personally. No emails, no crap. I start my Sabbath on, on actually, interesting, usually about Saturday night and we roll through Sunday night. And I, I don't check emails and crap. Sometimes I don't even turn the computer on. you got to be weird. So check your watch because it's time to be weird. Man, I love this book. It's great. Tomorrow, no time like the present. Listen, today I'm going to be putting up some videos. Tomorrow I'm going to share with you where you can see those videos that will give you even more depth to this book, to this change. Because weird is where we need to go because normal isn't working. It's going to be a blast. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow. We'll be back at regular time, 9 a.m., right here on realmentorsradio.com. Bye now.